This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Umberto Gaeta, also known as Cookie. He'll go over his story of how he jumped right out of college into real estate investing and how he got started specializing in raising private funds. He'll give us some great tips on how to raise capital and how to create a great meetup group. Enjoy. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and how you got into real estate investing. All right. So my name is Umberto Gaeta, but everybody calls me Cookie in the real estate space, man. The reason why is my last name sounds like Cookie in Spanish. So hey, it was just more memorable when I would get to meet someone. I would just say, hey, my name is Cookie. And instead of just saying my full name, which everybody's going to forget, uh, Cookie is just like that, you know, just like branding. You know, you want to you wanna be able to be memorable, right? Exactly. And how I got into real estate. Uh, I knew I always wanted to go into real estate um, or at least invest my money that I was going to make elsewhere into real estate. So I went through a three-day seminar just to dip my toes into um, what real estate is and what real estate investing is. That initiated my real estate career two months before I graduated college. So I started reading a lot of more books. I was just like, okay, real estate is, is the number one vehicle that makes millionaires happen. And so I started learning how money works and reading about how the wealthy stay wealthy and the ninja tricks behind you know how money works. Really, that three-day event was initiation into what I'm doing now and everything that I do and that makes you know Cookie who Cookie is. Awesome. And I mean, most people don't even think about real estate while they're in college. You did it two months before graduating. How'd you even decide to attend a three-day course? I was going to go graduate as a mechanical engineer. Then I got my certificate in project management. So I was literally an engineer being dipped in gold to any company because I, I can speak project management verbiage and engineering verbiage. And But I knew and I had interviewed en- enough people that down the mechanical engineering role that they were working just for a paycheck. And then some that were just that that had had the nice houses, had the good cars, had their kids going on vacation during the summers to Europe, and those people had gen, had made a business happen. And so that that led me to think, like, you know what? Then it's it's about making a business. So um, I was to answer your question, why I was t- thinking about real estate in college, I was looking for a path to see how millionaires make it in real estate. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to this three-day event. Um, I'm going to learn a little bit about real estate. And little did I know, I had taken my girlfriend at the time there, and she was like, this fits you like a silk suit. And I was like, I think it does. And the fact that I didn't want, I wasn't going to work for someone, that I was going to go work for myself. And beyond money, my time having ownership of my time and what i can do who i can spend time with um, where i can be and not strapped to one location i feel like that's more valuable than money itself right now nice i think we're in the very same situation we saw what it's like to be an employee as an engineer and we're like this is not the life that we want to live nah nah cool so after you take the three-day course you read a bunch of books walk me through what happens next what happens next well cookie goes freaking bananas He's freaking out. What is okay, bananas? What does that mean? Like you decide not to get a job, 
you decided to what move to NorCal? You were in Irvine before, right? Yeah, I was in Irvine. I went to school at UC Irvine. For all those people on this podcast, I walked the stage, but I did not graduate. Um, okay. I was I was one class. So I literally I'm a you can call me a, a college dropout, but I was like one class away. But my whole mission behind that is when I'm able to donate so much money to the engineering department, I'm going to go back and take that one class that's going to take like you know, 12 weeks. But really, I'm going to be networking with all my old professors and making them investors in what I'm doing now. There and you go. Turning the, yeah, making a win-win, right? Exactly. But to answer your question, what were the next steps after that three-day event? It was execution, really. It was execution on the curriculum that I had in front of me because knowledge is great. And I've seen your podcast and you bring knowledge, you bring value to, to your audience. Um, so applaud to you, my friend. But also knowledge is not everything. Execution is everything. Because if you have knowledge, if I can show you what, you know, what Warren Buffett did, but you, you just have the knowledge, but you, you haven't executed anything, you might as well have not known it. So I had to execute, but in order to execute, you know, you need to have the will and the confidence to move forward, right? And I lacked that. I, I lacked that. I mean, I, 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 I was confident. I mean, I could dance with every girl on the dance floor, but when it came to real estate, you know, I was brand spanking new. I was like in kindergarten, you know, you're learning to walk again. And so really my biggest hurdle was gathering that confidence to to push forward. That took me a good 10 months in order to, to know what I had to do. And that's why I always encourage people, don't do real estate alone. Do it with a team. Do it with a buddy. Do it with someone else that has the same mindset as you. Create a team around it because then that team is going to propel you forward because it's just like you drop all the BS and you start executing. I'll let myself down, but I can't let Sean down. Like if we're doing a deal, I, I can't let you down, dude. Now it's it's a partnership. It's it, you know I we let's we're gonna put this together. But if it's just something that I have to do on my to do list, you, you'll put that thing off for ninety days and forget about it. So so did you get a team together? Is that what you end up doing? Yeah. So we ended up um, we we ended up I ended up doing my first deal um, with the mastermind that I had created. So we met once a month. So this was something shocking, by the way. To answer your question, yes, I ended up making a team indirectly. I didn't do it consciously. But later on, the teams that I did build, I, I knew that, okay, I have to make a, uh, a team. Things need to be outsourced. Uh, I take care of money. You take care of management. You take care of acquisitions. Right. And so having at least that type of compass allowed us to, to really not step on each other's shoes and be able to embrace that role and learn in that role. And now people are, you know, I, I'm, I'm, people come to me and ask me, how do you raise money? You know, how, how'd you raise money so fast? How'd you raise, you know, a million dollars in five days and 10 days? How were you able to do it so fast? And it's just, it was all the learning curve and, and really execution. Cause uh, you know, it's, it gets frightening sometimes when you don't know, you've never done that before. Right. Right. So basically, because your role is only focused on raising money, you were able to get really good at it really quickly. 
instead of having to learn all these other different things at the same time. Yeah, because that's the thing. Real estate is a vast, you know, we know this. You you can skin you can skin real estate in so many different ways. I mean, we're talking Airbnb, flipping, mortgages, loan officers, real estate agent, brokers. I mean, every, there's so much in real estate that you can do, wholesaling. It's crazy. But then if you build a team and then your focus is just doing one thing, then you become and you become proficient in it really quick because that's the only thing that you got to take care of. And so like right now, I just raised, you know, some funds for one of our projects. It took me 30 minutes. We just needed a, a short little loan. And I was like, okay, made a, I didn't even make a call. I made a text, you know, because you already have that network together, right? So you start getting quicker at it. And so now because I'm just focused on the finance side, I, I just take care of that. And so my whole other team, they're the ones talking to the contractors. Uh, the other, you know, John is the one taking care of, you know, you know, acquisitions and, and selling the property. He's the agent. He's been an agent for 12 years. But when it comes to the capital, Cookie's the guy. Got it. So let's walk through your whole timeline. You graduated or you pseudo graduated from college. What was this, like 2016? June 2016. So two months before that, you went to your three-day course. Yeah. You walked the stage. I walked the stage. And then you went bananas. And then I went bananas. But really what I did was, um, when I say bananas, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear in execution because it's unknown territory. And just like anything new that you do, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's just a new skill that you're trying to do, you're going to fall, trip, and, you know, on your behind a lot at the beginning. And And so that was me the first three months. And then I'm like, you know what, let me help my parents with the knowledge that I've acquired because they already have assets because they already have a retirement account. Let's put those to work in better places so they can start getting double digit returns. And I focused for, for the first part of my, of my real estate career was just putting my parents in a better retirement position to grow their assets a lot faster. Um, and so I took care of them first indirectly because I was just so afraid of taking action myself that I was like, but, but you know what? I can take care of my parents because I know enough knowledge to be able to put them in a better position. So that was my first steps of moving money in real estate, which was putting my dad's money or my parents' money into uh, another flip and going from 2% return to 32% return. So you're from Northern California originally, and you just moved back after college? Correct. Born and raised in the Bay Area, Northern California went to school in UC Irvine down south, and then moved back. And then how did you find that first deal to put your parents' account, uh, their money into? So so that was just a friend, an, an acquaintance that we knew, and that he already had the deal running. Is he from your group as well, or is he just some no, random no, person? This was, this was, this was uh, an investor from an escrow company. It was just a connection of a connection um, that we ended up finding, finding that deal. So that wasn't my first deal. My first deal came like three months later. Okay which is 10 months after I graduated college, someone in our mastermind found a deal. It was a new construction deal. And he came to me and he was like, Cookie, what do you think? And I'm like, dude, well, I know someone that does construction, uh, new construction. Let's shoot it over to him. He was like, there's a million dollars here, man, like to be made. He was like, this is, this is a deal. It's a huge deal. And I was like, cool, let's make it happen. And so he was like, all right, Cookie. Uh, so essentially David, David Herrera, shout out to him. Um, he's, he's, he does new construction in the Bay area. 
he was like, all right, Cookie, go raise $630,000. We have a 10-day escrow. Five days are up. You got five days. So wait, someone from your mastermind group came up to you and said, hey, here's a potential deal. It's new construction. Just a lead. It was just a lead. They, they were just, it was on the MLS. It was just a lead. It was a 1920 house on a lot. And then two, two doors down was a new construction that had just sold for 3.6. And then you brought this to this guy, David. Because I knew that he could do new construction. Yes. Is he also part of your mastermind group too? Or is he just someone he's, else you know? He's also a fortune builder. Yeah, we're all fortune builders. Got it. And then he said, okay, not only did you find the deal, but I also want you to raise the money too. Yeah, dude. Because he was just like, hey, you want to cut this up you know, correctly? Or you just, do you want to make more money? And I was like, hell yeah. He was like, go raise the money. Damn. And I was like, all right, well, how do I do that? And how do you so, do that? You're like 22, uh, 23 years old. I'm and freaking 21, your, dude. Your first deal, right? You've never done yeah. a deal before. And it's I've like- I've never done a deal. I've never raised money. I've okay. never done any of that stuff. And so I'm like, how the hell do you secure? And the cool thing is that David had already a, a money manager, a finance director on his team, Mr. Dan Noble. And so Mr. Dan Noble has been doing this for you know a good part of 30 years. And he's been raising money. He's been doing that for David for, for a good, good amount of time. And so I came in and Dan was just like, you connect me with people that want to lend on an opportunity like this. And, and I'll enroll them. So you make the connections, Cookie, and then I'll enroll them. Well, guess what? I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I was making so many calls, text messaging people, like like just literally now really going bananas because I was just like, we're going to get this money. I don't know where the hell we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to have to rob a bank or something, but we're <laughs> going to have to make this happen. And And during that time, you know, we started raising, I started making calls, started making connections. You know, we were like 440,000 um, in, we were, that were, was committed and we still needed like another, like 190 grand, something like that. And we had like 36 hours left to like make it happen, escrow. And, and now I know that escrow, you can push it back, right? But I didn't know that back then. And he, they didn't want to let me know that. They were like, no, let's see what Cookie has under the hood. We got on a three-week call. We were just, you know, huddling up. We were like, okay, we, we need to raise this money. Like, it needs to happen in the next 36 hours. Like, we need to make more calls. What's execution? I feel like my forte really, my where my skill really shines is, uh, is really believing in the outcome and expressing and the energy that I bring that it will happen, it's going to happen, and we're going to make it happen. And you better believe it's going... And when I evoked so much energy through the phone, literally we all came off and we're like, and, and we came off believing like, this is going to happen. Let's go. And sure enough, you know, 18 hours later, we, we, we found the, re the rest of the commitments and we, we found that 630,000 uh, to close the deal. And that was our first acquisition. And Dan later on, you know, got on a call with me and he was just like, you have a gift kit. Your ability to believe in yourself and the outcome that you set your goal on, like being laser focused, that's your gift. And being able to believe in yourself and evoking it and telling people like, you, you're either with me or you're without me and I'm going to bulldoze through anything to get there. When he highlighted that, I'm like, wow. So fast forward five months later, when I created another team where it was just four guys 
four people from the mastermind. One had project management experience, one had construction experience, one was an agent, and then it was myself, which is my current team now. It was almost like on a handshake and we were just like, let's go and acquire, let's go wholesale. And we set out a goal for 200 grand in the next 30 days. Well, guess what happened? You got it. We made 200,000 in less than 30 days. That's what's up. That was March of 2018. We literally met up right after Tony Robbins event and we were all fired up and we literally like all the BS that we were always saying, like just being alone. Now we had four of us together. Now we had a team together, uh, a pseudo team together just to just on a handshake, no paperwork, no nothing, no LLC. Everybody had their own LLC, but we were just like, let's see what we can make happen. And dude, we kicked butt like for those weeks went so fast. We're like, damn, we got it accepted. Damn, we got it accepted. Oh, we got to wholesale it. Oh, I got my network. Well, I, I sent out another email like, hey, we got it accepted. We got to go over here. So we ended up wholesaling three properties and making those 200 grand. And we just couldn't believe it. We just took action. It was just all execution. We didn't look back. We didn't think twice. We were just executing, making offers, like talking to agents. You know, we ended up uh, implementing a, a marketing idea that I, I had been planning for for the longest time and we were just like let's go like let's throw everything on the wall and let's see what sticks Mm. and and it happened man and it was just like it was mind-blowing and still to this day it was just like dude you just got to have that grind that the execution um you don't have to have a whole full plan you you learn as you go you do as you go and you pivot as you go yeah and and for sure like you said before it's probably better off that you got a team of four people so that you guys each keep each other accountable. Like one day if you're slacking, instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to chill. No, I have people depending on me. I got to do some work. Yeah, yeah. Can we go back to your first deal yeah. where you were given the challenge of raising $630,000 in five days? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you're just calling a bunch of people, texting a bunch of people and saying, hey, here's a potential deal we have. Here are some great returns. And if you want to do it, here's like Dan Noble's phone number. Is that basically what you're assuming? Well, I made the first connection and I got on a phone call with them. And if they had any questions that I could answer, and if I couldn't answer them, I'm like, that's a great question. Let's schedule a call. Work time works best for you. And I'll get my finance director to, to talk. So there was like a, another level, right? Then I brought Dan to the to the call and then he would answer questions because he was the one with the, all the knowledge. Mm. And I was learning. I was on those calls and I was just picking everything up like a sponge. And then I learned how he you know, enroll them, the paperwork behind it. And now I do it with my laptop. I take control of all the paperwork in terms of an, an acquisitions now. Um, but back then, my first deal, he was taking care of that. I, all I was doing it was connecting the two. Yep. Yeah. So I want to ask you a multi-part question. Who are these people you're calling? Like, how did you even get their phone numbers? If there's one thing that your viewers get from this podcast, it's this. Who was I calling? Well, I was calling people that were part of the, the same community of investors. We're, we were all fortune builders. So everybody bought into the fortune builders education. I don't get paid to talk about fortune builders, but that's how I got started. I, pay, uh, I paid a good amount of sum of money to get into this education. And it's a national group of investors that have this education. We meet once a month, you know, nationally and whatnot. But there was people that were not just interested in real estate investing, but had purchased education and and a good amount of money 
to be a part of this educational program that teaches them how to put themselves in a better position to have success in real estate. So instead of me going and trying to raise money off of an average Joe out on the street and trying to teach them what real estate is, what a deal is, what an ROI is, ARV, I need to talk to people that know real estate. And so that was my biggest aha because um, I remember when I tried to raise money with family, they were just like, you're crazy because they don't understand that language. And so my biggest thing is if you're raising money and for those viewers that you're raising money and you got a short time to, to, to raise it, talk to people that are already interested and part of real estate investing communities because you now you have a collective audience that that already knows what a deal is they're already interested in real estate they they talk the same lingo the same language and that really was what expedited the process to us getting all the commitments and raising the capital needed for that the time and in those 5 days my family and I had to go to a wedding in Mexico and when I touched down back in San Jose, we had everything committed. And I was just like, sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, we were You're on vacation out. and someone else did all the, I mean, all the work got done. Yeah. Up. Although, yeah. And I made the connections, you know, via phone call. And so good thing that we were in the city and we, we got a signal, but everything was made. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but, um, it just goes to show that like anybody that has the will and the belief in themselves to make this happen will make it happen. I mean, that's really smart because if you're trying to raise money from people who don't even know what a good deal is, then they're going to think it's risky or like, hey, how come these numbers are so high? Like, oh, it must be a yeah. scam. Yeah, exactly. That's actually really smart. So how many people did you actually end up calling to subscribe? Dude, at the time, I didn't have any software that I could like email blast or, or text message blast. It was all personal. It was people that had known me for probably a short amount of time because I had just started uh, doing a mastermind, a monthly mastermind. Um, and uh, we were getting local people together. And so I literally went through the community resource where, uh, you know, I started communicating with local fortune builders. And so when I came and I introduced an opportunity, I made sure that I postured myself correctly where I don't need money. I have an opportunity. And so I presented an opportunity. I didn't present myself as, oh, I need money. There's a deal here. Like we need this much. This is an opportunity for you to put your money to work and get double digit returns. Compared to most people, they're not getting double digit returns. They're getting more like double digit returns but the point is in the front. It's in the wrong place. Uh, 0.12%. Exactly, right? Talk about CDs and stuff. So yeah, man, it's, it's a unique opportunity. There's more money out there than opportunities like this to invest. So that's why it makes us very unique individuals and entrepreneurs because the opportunities that we have, people are begging to, to, to put their money to work because it, it's been sitting for the longest time earning 20 bucks for you know a hundred thousand dollars that they have in the bank like really 20 bucks is not even going to get you like a, a dinner yeah or a lunch 20 bucks doesn't get you anything when you have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank are you kidding me so did you only contact people that you've actually met in person before or did you cold call people too that were also in the fortune builders program both so i went through people that that i knew and I, it was so i was so frantic i was so i didn't know what the what i was doing 
but they knew that we had a mastermind. They, even though I hadn't met them person to person, they knew, oh, it's Cookie who has the mastermind. They've heard um, of you before. They heard of me before. And so, and so by those means, when I would call them up, I'm like, hey, we have, you know, I'm also inviting you out to the mastermind that we have every month. Like, come check it out. And they, and they would. And um, it, it was funny. It was, this is bad to say, but for the people that I hadn't met in person, they had lent us, you know, $100,000 and whatnot. And I didn't recognize them, man. Like, oh. I did it. I was like, okay, I know the name. I know the name, but I was like, when I actually met them, you know, I, I was like, I didn't know the face. You know, it just goes to show. I now, whenever I save a number in my phone, I always put a put a face to it. Yeah. Um, I go on Facebook and I look them up real quick, and I get the I, I extract the photo and I put it on the contact card, so I know exactly who I'm talking to. Got it. And I always saw your name too, like Champagne, 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 Champagne. <laughs> I'm like, that was Champagne. Later on, you know, you message me and I'm like, oh, is this Champagne? I'm like, I, I've seen this guy's face. I'm That's like, right. cool. I just grabbed your profile picture on Facebook. I put it on there and every time that I, you text me or recall, it's just like it's your face. So I'm like, yeah, that's Sean. So yeah, whenever I see you, I'm like, dude, what's up? Two, what's up? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so if dude. you were to just like ballpark it though, how many people do you think you contacted to to raise that 630? I texted a lot of people. That's the thing. I texted a lot of people. It was just more convenient. I, I, I must have contacted a good 380 people. Jeez. Was that that's just you alone, not including your other buddies who did it with you? Yeah, my other buddies were talking and calling and making conversation. But the way that I did it, which was texting, um, was a lot more effective. Once again, if you're raising money right now, you're going to want to take this tip with you today. Sean, if there was an opportunity and someone were to call you right now, can you pick up? No. No, you're doing a podcast, right? That's right. Okay. But if you got a text message you would get a notification your watch will buzzer and you'll see the name and then you'll see like the first few letters of it on your watch and you'll deem it whether it's important to go into your phone and actually reply and you'll look down right now and look at your phone while you're still on the podcast so what's more convenient a call or a text message text message all day a text message all day a text message or an email what what Seriously, like a text message or an email. I mean, text message at this point, especially if I know you, right? It's like, oh, he text messaged me, must be important. Yeah, exactly. And, and so text messaging was really, it is the next wave of communication for businesses out there. Um, I'm seeing that a lot in dealerships. Now they're just like, you're just a text away from getting your car serviced. And you just text one of the representatives and say, hey, I need an oil change. Uh, can I come in at two o'clock? And they're like, yeah, you can drop it off. And so now instead of calling and waiting and that whatever, all the time that you have to waste on it and holding, you just text someone and they text right back. They're like, yeah, drop it off. Because you know that number is for your representative that takes care of your car and you just text them. Dude, imagine how much time people save. Yeah. I mean, they'll open it too. It's almost like 100% open rate. Exactly, dude. Whereas email, like, dude, that stuff goes into spam. Very often. Yeah, like right now, I had to go through like 79 emails that I hadn't looked at in the past, you know, 24 hours. And, and that's a, a high number because usually I only have like 30 um, that I have to look at. And so imagine all those, all those emails were, there was only like three or four of them that were important. All the other ones were spam and whatnot. 
text message is personal. Real estate is personal. Real estate yeah. is relationships. It's networking. It's communicating with other people. If I were to text you right now, it's a lot more personal because it's directed. An email, you don't know if it's spam. You don't know if it went into spam or your in inbox. You don't know if you're selling something. If it's too long, people won't read it. If it's too wordy, people just won't read it. Or if the subject line doesn't intrigue you, you won't open it. But a text message, short and sweet and to the point, baby. That's right. I mean, people don't get texted every day anyways. You know, like most people aren't like Paris Hilton have like 5,000 messages every day. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, and, and this is another trick that, that I learned. So the lending performa where I shared all the details about our opportunity, I was able to take that ex, that PowerPoint and produce a PDF from it and produce a link, a short link that was shareable to anybody that could open it. And I was able to text that over to anybody and put that in emails as well. So now Google Drive is the one um, that has a space and the link is the one that takes you there. So I can take, you know, I can text you that link. And if you have an iPhone, it looks nice because the, the first page of it comes out um, and it looks so freaking professional. I was like, dude, I'm legit now. That was like the next phase of me raising money and being able to do do that um, because I learned. I had to adapt. I had to be innovative. So I learned how to take a PowerPoint, a lending performa, and put it on Google Drive, make a shareable link, and be able to text that to people, and it gets the word out there like this because now it's not just text. Hey, I have an opportunity, um, lending opportunity, and they're like, okay, I'm interested. But to be able to deliver that information quicker, I had to house it on, on Google Drive. Don't do it on on Dropbox, it just—it's a lot more messier, and it just—it doesn't come out. I'll—I'll sh I'll share it with you, dude. So, so you can check it out, and it's, dude, it looks so clean. It's All right, just you can send like, me a text. I'll be I'll like, oh, I'll send you, yeah, I'll send you a text, and it, it's just—it's so intuitive. It's just like, oh, oh, Cookie has a lending opportunity. Oh, details, boom. Oh, that's the property. That's what it looks like. That's what it, what it's gonna need. That's these are the comps. This is a. Uh, this is a team, some credibility, my photo and my and my team at the end, yep. eight pages. I wrap it up like that. Easy. Easy. So talking about raising money, do you guys have a, a minimum that you let people invest in? You know, if it's only like 10 bucks, they probably like, there's no point. Yeah, it, it just depends. It depends on the situation that you, so if you're acquiring a property right away, right? Um, in the Bay Area, you're looking at raising any gap between, say, Two fifty to four hundred and fifty thousand, right? For any type of like rehab, um, or if you're adding a little bit of square footage, that's usually your gap. So you know, and you want to go for the bigger fish first. You know, your hundred thousand, whatnot. If you get anything, you know, less than a hundred thousand, then you keep them on a list. And when you're coming closer to the finish line, where hey, we're looking, you know, we're eighty eighty grand left of an opportunity or left that's when you start contacting those smaller amounts because the whole idea behind it is escrow doesn't want to have so many people lending in second lien position um and then insurance gets involved and they're like hey you know try not to have more than three four people so is there a minimum no there's not a minimum but you want to have a minimum uh, you want to have max you know three to four or five lenders in secondly position um, okay. and, they, and they all share secondly position. 
So let's talk about the deck structure a little bit more. So it's a little bit more technical now. Yeah, let's go. Is your first like a hard money lender that you're still getting the, yeah, the yeah. debt so from? Yeah, so hard money lender in first lien position. And you typically get what, like 80% LTV or 70%? So I get 85% of the purchase price as long as you know our comps are right and we bought it right. 85% yep. of purchase price and they'll um, cover 100% of the rehab costs. Okay. Withdrawals. Yep. So you basically need like 15% for the gap funding, plus maybe some extra money. Uh, yeah, you want to know exactly what you need? Sure, go ahead. And this is going to be a huge value. Dude, for you guys that are watching this right now and you're raising money, it's not just the 15% that the, the hard money lender is not providing you. So the raise amount that you need was, so hard money takes care of 85%. I have to take care of the 15% that's left for the purchase price, right? Yep. For closing costs, two percent of the purchase price is essentially a rule of thumb uh, to to take care of the closing costs. Fifteen percent of your rehab costs is going to be for project management fees that you're going to pay yourself. A lot of these investors, new investors, don't pay their themselves for managing the project, and they just wait until the end of the of the rehab to pay themselves. And it's a big fat check. I get it, but you still have, Sean, you have a phone, you have monthly services, you have rent, you have things that you have to pay on a monthly basis. And for, and for you to wait six, seven, eight months to get a big check, that's not how the world runs. So you want to pay yourself a project management fee while you're going through the month. So that's essential. That's something that we had to learn the hard way because we're just like, we need to put food on the table. I put 50% of the rehab costs to start construction. And this is the reason why usually our hard money lender uh, divides the, the rehab cost in four. So we have to put up 25% of the rehab costs to get to our first draw. But usually the numbers are different. You And if, especially if you're new, you know what you're doing. Um, there's a lot of money that you have to put up front and there's mistakes that happen. And you just want to, you want to be able to leverage more, a little bit more money than to be having to re-raise money. That's right. Um, ask me how I know. Yeah. Um, so it's not just the 25% to start the rehab to get to the first draw. It's, it never ends up being that way. So that's why I say 50% of the rehab cost. It's just nice cushion to have there. To start construction, get you to the first draw and just have good cash flow. Because every investor that has started has always had cash flow problems. Tell me how. Tell me how I know. Tell me how, what they're saying too. I bet if you've done a rehab, you, oh, you ran with cash flow problems too. So that was number four. Number five is hard money lending payments. So the interest payments that you're going to pay your hard money lender per month have those in the reserve in your bank reserves uh, to be able to pay those out, and so you don't have to. So you don't have to do cash advances on all your personal credit cards and to try to make those hard money payments so you raise like an additional six months worth of payments or something like that yeah so if i know the the project is going to take me six months i'm gonna i'm gonna raise those six months of of hard money lending payments that i'm gonna pay out to the hard money lender with my pmls with our my private money lenders to have that in reserves and remember that that money can be leveraged you know that's going to be also cushion because if you if you go a lot faster with your rehab you're going to use some of that um, money to just go faster. So there you go. And then the, the last one is 2% of the purchase price for property taxes, utilities, and insurance if it's a 12-month project. So if it's a six-month project, then it's 1% of the purchase price, um, et cetera, et cetera.
That's a great list. So it seems very formulaic and breaks it down very simply. And I didn't come up. I didn't come up with this. I after so many minds and the mastermind and us all getting together and talking to my hard money lenders and talking to a ton of hard money lenders, this information has has, has proven true. Yeah. Um, and 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 it just depends on how you pull your draws. Who re- ends up lending you the money for the rehab? But if you follow this you will raise the right amount. I've seen so many people, so many new investors, they're like, oh yeah, I'm looking for the 15% of the gap. And that's all they raise. And they, that's all they put in second lead position. But little do they know, they 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 forgot about the, the other excessive payment, all the utilities, all the insurance, the property taxes. Property taxes are you know, a big bill now in the Bay Area. Supplemental right? taxes are the worst, man. Yeah, supplemental. Get me oh, started, man. The green envelopes, man. Oh, <laughs> I know. I sent those. I sent three of those out like three days ago, dude. I was just like, dude, I didn't know this stuff. I didn't know there were supplemental taxes. What That's the right. hell? The Surprise. biggest, the biggest scam in the world, man. Um, but uh, I, I didn't know that, right? Like I, you know, not knowing what you don't know. Like I thought that was just a property tax bill, um, but no, it's it's property taxes, supplemental taxes, utilities, insurance, and wait until you if you if you don't finish on time, it's one point to extend the loan for three months. Yeah. You got to extend the insurance too, so now you have to raise money for that. You know stuff like that. There's little things that you just don't know. That's pretty cool. So like these numbers came up as a result of you guys just masterminding and like determining the numbers our numbers and then talking to other people that are doing even more deals than we are and people that have ran into you know the end of the project the end of their loan and they're like man we had to we had to pull we had to get an extension well how much did you pay well usually it's you know the standard is one point of the loan to extend it and so that those were all big big learning lessons because we're like holy crap we paid so much and so many extensions it was crazy Um, so time is when it comes to the rehab time is money because if you don't finish on time you you are heavily penalized and you know you got to pay a point yeah i mean it's gonna hurt it's awesome how like a mastermind is able to create something so awesome and formulaic as this formula you have right here yeah and 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 i think this is simple right i think this is uh Simple information, simple numbers that that you would think would be intuitive, but for those people that don't know or getting started, yeah, you never think about it. You never think about it. Yeah, I shared this at, at one of the uh, presentations that I did at a meetup. Uh, Raul Lona's, you know, up mm-hmm. in San Mateo. Uh, shout out to him. And uh, and a lot of those people that were experienced investors were like, "Dude, I closed this deal like two point two million." And I only raised the fifteen percent gap, and I get it because the the lingo just isn't there, and the the intuition is not there. My hard money lender told me they were going to fund a hundred percent of the rehab costs. How? But it's draws. It's draws. You got to pay up first. You got to pay up first, and then get to the first draw. And it's not just twenty five percent. It's just like twenty five percent, and all the uh, all the little mistakes that you did, and the timing behind it, and your contractor, you know, knocking on your door, calling you like, "Dude, where's my check? Dude, where's my check? Work is already done." Like. I can get a quick rehab and I'll knock that thing out of the park because I know exactly my numbers. I have my hard money lender, my escrow officer, like I have everything in line. 
so we can close in like four days like no problems no questions asked so awesome i'm le- we're lethal now and not me we are because the mastermind now you know that's what a mastermind ends up becoming they these little rule of thumbs so yeah. dude for the people out there make sure you raise the right amount of money and can you talk about the terms you give to your private money lenders private money lenders i learned from uh from one of my mentors mr michael gordon he was just like dude i just keep it simple because they're all friends everybody gets 12 percent flat no points 12 percent easy math for everybody they know how much they're making we don't have to go into calculus to figure it out easy for everybody do you pay them out after you're done with the project or do you pay them during yeah correct after after it's sold they get their money a big check that's good. So you don't have any like cash flow issues because of your distribution. Exactly. The only thing that okay. you got to worry about is your hard money monthly payments, interest payments. Yep. All right, yeah. cool. I mean, that's very simple. It's it, yeah, and it, to be honest, people love to ask about how complex it is. No, the the simpler you are, the better. The people are talking about emails and how to raise money and and how should I format my email? I'm like, I sent out a text that's yes, right. Twelve percent is very simple. I mean, and that's also like a good number for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's double digit returns. And I've I've known of people raising money at six percent, at ten percent. Six percent, it's just like people you're getting people that are make a lot less. That's great. When I started, you know, I was taught, you know, twelve percent, and that was the norm. And I saw that, so I was just like, I know I, I and I did get a couple people at ten percent because that that was their number. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I'll give you ten percent. Um, but most of all, all of our investors, they make 12% and I just like, they, they understand they, they lent like literally I got money lent to me today and we didn't talk about percentages. There was just, you know, you're making 12%. Yep. Yeah. And let's say in the worst case, there's a loss situation, mm-hmm. you know, do you still owe them for their money plus a 12% oh, yeah. on a recurring oh, basis? Yeah. Like you're going to yeah. pay them back eventually somehow, some way. Yeah. Right? I'm going to, whether it's not that, that project, that project came negative. That's why we're always doing multiple projects. So okay. uh, in a, in a portfolio standpoint where we made money, they're going to get paid back. How's it work? If, how does it work? You said everyone's also in a second lien position, but yeah. Yeah. How does that work? It's called a fractionalized second lien deed of trust fractionalized second deed note. So all the private money lenders are sec- are secured. We're not guaranteeing funds. They're being secured by the asset with a deed of trust and a note. They both get recorded with the with the county. When I say fractionalized, Sean, you and I we're gonna go in on uh, a deal, and how much they have to raise is two hundred grand. You're gonna put a hundred grand, and I'm gonna put a hundred grand, and so we're we're both gonna share second lien position. You're gonna have fifty percent of of secondly position i'm going to have 50 percent of secondly position so all my private money lenders whether it's one dollar or you know a hundred thousand dollars they all share secondly position makes sense so do you need a special like title company for this to happen or do you need a special hard money lender for this to happen we had to sit down and talk to our escrow office I tried to go to all, all these other escrow companies and tell them, hey, do you do fractionalized second liens? Or they're like, what the hell is that? Cause yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> everybody's like in the retail side, right? They're like, yeah. oh, I don't know what the hell that is. But anyways, you just have to go and, um, and explain and tell them, hey, we're investors. We do creative financing. And this is what we're going to do. Everybody's sharing second lien. This is how we do it. This is the paperwork that we do. Can you have your underwriter 
Um, just check this information out, make sure everything's legit and tidy. Um, and they'll have you change a couple of things per that that title company, whatever their code is, uh, to be able to endorse it and, and move forward. But that's essentially it. So I essentially had to teach my escrow company how to do it. They knew how to do it. It's just that they don't do it often. And I had to show them how we're going to secure this. So it's not that they can't do it. It's that they're not aware of it. So any escrow company, or is it like a specific one? I'll tell you who we use. Fidel okay. F Fidelity National Title. Okay, yeah. And they're, they're sister companies with Chicago Title. We've yeah. had great luck with them. I know that uh, First American Title, we had a big problem with them. And to be honest, it's not the type of title company. It's really your escrow officer. Mm. It's really your escrow officer because your escrow officer is the one that knows and pu pulls uh, the strings everywhere um, for you. So if you don't have a, a standing relationship with your escrow officer, take him out to dinner. You know, get to know them. You know, get to see what's up. Like interview escrow companies, um, and you're going to be talking to the escrow officer. So it's not the company, uh, even though I'm telling you right now. It was more so the escrow officer. Yeah, the individual. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you want Do you want to know a big tip with escrow officers? Sure. Man, this is gonna save you so much headache. All right, let's hear it. Um, if when you're closing on a deal, make sure that your escrow officer is not going on vacation during that time to get your deal closed. What are they going to do if they go on vacation? They're going to give it to their assistant or another escrow officer that's busy doing some their own work. And they're going to be like, what the hell is a second fractionalized position? They're like, what the hell is this? Uh, Mr. Terriel, he's part of the mastermind. He, he had, they sat him down in San Francisco at the, at the escrow office. And he was literally dealing with the assistant that was, had just started working there for a week. So they were just like, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this, because they just wanted to cover their butts. They were just like, I don't know what this hell this is. I'm going to have you sign all this stuff that I think that you need to sign. And here you go. And so that's essentially what he had to do. And he was like, why am I signing all this stuff? I'm like, the guy has like 18 years of experience in construction and he's signing all this stuff that he's never signed before. He's like, what the hell? That was one big tip that I learned early on. I'm like, when we were closing our, it was my third deal with my team. When we should have closed in 14 days, we ended up closing in 45 days because we ended up switching three escrow companies and why? It wasn't because they didn't want to give the endorsement. It was because the escrow officer had mentally already checked out because in the weekend he was going to be in Cabo Saluncas. That guy was already checked out. And, uh, dude, I had to call this guy 10 times. Like, literally, he wasn't picking up. And I get it. And he was busy, and I had, I had to respect his time. But it got to the point where, like, uh, my private money lenders have their money in escrow. It's costing me money. Hard money is waiting. They're like, what the hell's happening? But there was no progress. And he never answered the phone, dude. I had his phone number. I had his cell phone number. And when he wasn't answering the phone, I was like, all right. I literally called him until he replied. And you know what he did after the 10th call? 
because that was dude that, that was all my thing yeah, like we were closing that one deal we were like dude this is the only thing that i got to work on i'm like i'm gonna call you until you damn answer and he replied with an email he's like stop blowing up my phone i i'm doing i'm doing a signing right now sometimes you just gotta bug people until you until you get until you get what you want dude and sick it's 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 keeping them accountable same thing goes with the with with contractors like they're they're not yeah, making keep going hard, keep going but yeah like dude when is this gonna get done i can't have delays on this this is gonna cost you too like let's go and so you always nag it, it, it is nagging professionally that's right so, professionally nagging professionally nagging but know how to do it <laughs> awesome you mentioned that you started a monthly mastermind now i know it's weekly yeah but you had nothing going on so what even spurred you to even create this mastermind in the first place dude there was uh, for me these people that had bought into fortune builders paid a 30 to fifty thousand dollars they had paid a great sum of money to be a part of this mastermind right and fortune builders is awesome dude they give you so they give you so much value like all the tools and everything i am a product of them and i rep them like i bleed for them um because they have such awesome people and their environment it's just awesome and i really wanted to bring that environment local that's why there was a weekly huddle right i didn't have any experience i had no deals under my belt i had nothing i was a part of the community but i didn't have anything to show for it my big question was everybody put down money made an investment and they weren't meeting sean say we were part of the same community and we're not in communication with each other like why aren't we getting together if you're trying to wholesale and i'm trying to wholesale why don't we do it together why don't we we don't have to jv on the deal we can just jv on the tasks to to find deals like we can just go and 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 be partners and being accountable to each other like doing it alone in those 10 months those 10 those first 10 months there was a lot of fear in me there was a lot of doubt i wasn't confident because there it was uncharted territory that i did not know what the hell i was doing but when you start talking the same language you're on the same boat um, in the same journey it's a lot easier because now you have someone right next to you that's in the same boat that's that's feeling the same thing um that was excited and now it's time for to ex execute and my thing was like why are we not meeting like why aren't we doing deals together instead of trying to do them by ourselves everybody's trying to do it themselves and learning all their education and i gotta do this i gotta do that i gotta do this i gotta do that and nothing gets done because you get overwhelmed and i was like dude we need to we need to divide and conquer we need to join forces and become and and come closer and uh when we started that mastermind it was a monthly one but there was we only met 12 times a year it was a high and by situation two three hours um out of the month and, and that was it there was no real connection and that will, that's really what was missing the connecting part the networking part i mean people were networking saying hi and bye oh you're from over there cool cool but people weren't following up people weren't really connecting to a deeper level than just surface to be able to get to know who sean 
champagne is to get to know what you what you what your aspirations are what your goals are for these next 12 months how can we work together to make it happen and so i'm like well if they're not taking the initiative to follow up because they're too busy or because just life is happening i'm like great i'm gonna make an environment where it's gonna have to happen because they see each other the people that are truly committed to the goal and to making this happen they're gonna see each other every week now and it was one of those you know i'm out on a limb let's let's start meeting on a weekly basis i don't have a place to to have it but we'll find it and in the next couple of days i found a place that we can have it for free and we went on to having a weekly huddle we started with eight people grew to 12 grew to 18 then everybody started coming out every week i'm getting anywhere from 30 to 40 50 something sometimes even hitting 60 depending on what we're talking about people a week and i'm like man i'm running a church around here man (laughs) (laughs) like um but really real estate church right here right right? but but when you're around this environment of of like-minded people of positivity of like let's do this and and just everybody's ambition is is together like you start synergizing and just creating something magical where you're like let's go do this like let's you know let's do this campaign let's let's work on this deal you know now you're leveraging other people's resources relationships everything time because you have your own sean you have your own network i have my own network i have my own resources you have your own resources we joined forces we just became a, a powerful partnership that's right because now it's not just me. And if it's just me, then I'm always thinking to myself, like, man, can I make this happen? It's going to be tough, man. Uh, but then when you have two people or, or a group of people, individuals, now you get to leverage each other's resources, time, energy, experience, everything else to make it happen. And it becomes easier to execute. And how is your meetups currently like formatted? Is it just, hey, it's a free-for-all for two hours. Go talk to whoever you want to or... You have like a lecture style. We always provide value. We always bring topics. We always bring uh, new new things. I mean, we're we like to have a, an hour of of a topic, and then we network a lot. The event is starts at six thirty. People are walking in through the door at six thirty. Seven o'clock, it really starts. So everybody's always networking, and they see each other every week. So they're like, "Hey, what's up?" Like they, it, and it's <laughs> and it's it's not just a meetup. That's the thing. And it's not just a mastermind. That's the thing. It's a family. It becomes a family because you're seeing each other every week. And you're and they're like, oh, I got this new lead. Like, you know, you want to check it out? We're getting we're getting each other like advice on on things and you're getting a a separate set of eyes. So essentially every week we have something going on. But when it gets down to having a weekly one, I was just like, man, I can't provide value that many times. Like I I only know so much. And so like my friend, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi, they just sold a course where it was just, you know, you, you don't have to be the expert. You can be the one interviewing the expert, just like what you're doing right now. And so this is no different than a weekly huddle. You're asking me questions and I'm providing value in a weekly huddle. What my goal now was, wasn't for me to provide value. My whole responsibility is to highlight the people within our mastermind that were experts at that one thing. So I would bring in Amanda Vang. She, she, she's been an agent and she has, they just flipped the property. Okay, it's a case study. Talk to us, what did you learn? The question that we love to ask 
in the rehabs that have been completed within the mastermind, when did shit hit the fan? I want to know about that because that's when everything went haywire. How'd you come out of it? I should come to your meetup then. I have a lot of those stories. Exactly. I know <laughs> you do, bro. And we, we all have them. And that's the thing. Like, that's when we learn from each other. Right. Because then everybody's like, oh, when did shit hit the fan? Like, I want to hear this. This is like like the the, the climax of the meeting, it's right? It's drama. Um, yeah, it's a drama. It's like, well, you know, we, we, don't, we don't just go for the surface level details. Like, yeah, we bought it for this. We rehabbed it for this. Contracted. No, no. Rehabs are freaking a journey. It's a roller coaster, man. It's like the contractors, like getting them on a timeline, you know, the discussions. You fire the contractor. What happens then? You know, legally, what, what happens then? It really is like, when did shit hit the fan? And we love having those case studies. And then we also do property walkthroughs. We had one this past week where we actually went to a property that just got finished by another fortune builder. And where the magic really happens is when they, p- people within the mastermind synergize. They come together for a deal. They come together and put something, uh, put the resources together to make a deal happen. And I kid you not, this lady, Miss Cindy Pierce, uh, I know I'm name dropping a lot, but she was so scared back when we used to be a monthly mastermind. She was so scared out of her mind to do a deal. And she was like, I haven't done a deal. Like I've been, I've been at it for, you know, so many, so such a long time. You know, I, I don't think this is ever going to happen. And, um, and when I started encouraging everybody like, dude, team up team up, go and join venture with just tasks, look at deals together, um, bounce ideas off each other. She ended up forming a team and they ended up going together on two deals and they ended up executing and they finished and they sold them and they learned such, they learned so much from that. They, now there's so much more experience, have two deals under the belt. When this lady, I kid you not, I would look at her and I'm like, man, there's only so much I can do for her, right? And she's scared out of, out of her mind. I'm like, how is she ever going to survive, right? And she's not going to be able to do this alone because I was in those shoes when I started, man. Like I was wearing all the hats, raising money, you know, acquisition, selling it. I didn't know everything. I was an, an expert. But I feel like everybody that starts off tries to do everything themselves. And it's all about making a team that goes together and even right now i'm um i'm gonna make a marketing team and for the longest time i've been putting it off because it's i've always managed it i managed everything myself but i should take my own advice and start making a team you know i made a rehab team now let's do that now let's have a team for the marketing side and so and so these people are getting together every week and they're making synergizing putting deals together and and all the fear drops down because now they have each other all the fear goes away because now they can go forth and tackle this goal of theirs together and for the people that try to do it themselves my head off to those that do but it's a daunting task it's an overwhelming task yep but but together you can do so much more yeah i mean dude networking is honestly probably the best way to become successful at anything you do yeah. you need to surround yourself with people yeah, and that and that's the thing. And and I I ended up changing my I took a conscious decision last year to start networking with people that were at my level or above. And so I started joining these masterminds that dude, there were people, masterminds that were just 
a bunch of badasses at marketing, a bunch of badasses at business. They were just, they were just at another level. And I'm like, those are the people that I want to talk to. That's right. Those are the people that I want to hang out, have conversations, have dinner with them and talk shop. And, and I thought I was weird. I wanted to have that more than go out and be, you know, the average 24 year old going drinking. That would, didn't appeal to me anymore. I was like, let's talk shop. Let's talk business. And so that was a lot more appealing to me. And now that I'm a part of these masterminds, we all talk shop. We all add value to each other. And that's the magical thing. Being part of masterminds is just awesome. Yep. And especially the ones that are not just the high and buy situation. It's like, no, I get to connect with Sean Penn and get to pick his brain and get to learn from him. That's right. That's an amazing yeah. story. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and dropping so much knowledge on us. But good thing is... <laughs> All of this is going to be transcribed and notes will be taken for you. So if you actually go on the website when this is released, you'd be able to see all of that on the website, everythingrei.com. So before we end the show today, how can people get in contact with you? And more importantly, how can people join your amazing weekly huddle? The weekly huddle, the, the weekly huddle, I'm going to turn that baby into, into something that's open to everybody. And because there's so many people that have been um, that have been asking for my advice and I always want to give back. That's one thing that um, I feel like I wish I could copy and paste myself um, to be able to provide value and serve um, others. But where you can reach me on Facebook at Ask the Cookie Jar. Yeah. And then this is my Facebook, which is Umberto Gata. Cool. I know. Everybody, I go by Cookie, but that's my actual name. And if you want to hit me up on on Instagram and DM me, it's just uh, it's just Umberto underdash Gaeta, my, my name. So I keep it official on social media, but you get Cookie when you actually need me. Yeah, don't worry, man. We'll copy paste you on this episode. You'll get thousands yeah, of listeners. Shoot me, here. dude. And for your listeners out there, dude, shoot me a text. Don't send me an email. All right, shoot me a text. What's your like, number? What can I text what's you? My, what's, what's your number, right? <laughs> Uh, dude, for you guys that are local, 408-710-3387. Dude, if I can help anybody, man, at least I'll direct you in the right, um, in the right way to get the right resource. So always willing to help, always willing to provide value to everybody. So to, to all your audience out there, kick butt, keep crushing it. And if you guys have any questions, reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions. We've all been through there. There is no such thing as a stupid question. You ask a way to learn to move forward. And that's the way to do it, man. Well said, well said. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I look forward to seeing you around. Dude, Champagne, my friend. Thank you for putting this together, brother. All right, take care. Awesome. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from Cookie. There is no age or experience barrier to real estate investing. You just need to get the knowledge and you need to take action. Surround yourself with people who are doing the same things as you and keep each other accountable. Create value and start your own mastermind group. If you're all doing the same tasks, why not do them together? Meet every week so that it's not just a hi, bye situation. These people become family and you build a deeper network that way. Raising money is just a function of how much people know, like, and trust you. So get out there and let people know who you are. Texting is a much more effective way than calling or sending emails so get your texting game on point. This episode is pretty long, so be sure to check out the show notes at everythingrei.com for the full transcript and resource links. I hope you all learned a lot. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. 
You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks, and have a great day.